Hey, before we jump into this week's episode, just a quick note. Um, those of you who are on the email list uh, or follow you know, us on Twitter and our community know that usually around this time we do an off-season donation drive. It helps support us you know, through the off-season and cover the cost of the show, pay our interns, all that stuff. We decided to postpone that, basically cancel it uh, for this off-season. It just doesn't feel right given everything that is going on. Uh, and we would much rather, you know, any donations that you would have been willing to give to us, um, you know, give that, use that to, I mean, save the money if you need it, obviously, support a small business, support a local food bank. Uh, you know, I think that's, th- those are better uses of that money right now than than sending it to us. So if you were thinking about doing that, if you've done it in the past, we obviously appreciate it a ton. It does make a big difference for us. We just kind of think it can make a bigger difference for others right now. And so we would rather you do that. I do want to let you know one way that we're going to kind of try and pick up a, a little bit of that lost revenue to help us cover the costs in the off season. And this is something that I hate doing. I really do. But Spreaker, who hosts our podcast, they actually allow you to run ads in the podcast. And so I don't like doing this. You know, my philosophy as a podcaster is you're here to listen to us. I love the connection that we have with our audience. I never want that to be broken by sending you off to a third-party ad that I don't even know what they're going to put in. So I do this with extreme trepidation, but we're just going to at least run a test with it. And so you're going to hear in between segments one uh, one and two and two and three, uh, those ads. Most of you will anyway. And so just know that those are coming. Again, it's not something we've done in the past, but just know that those are coming. Um, and if you just hate it, if it's awful, if it ruins the, your experience of listening to the show in any way, please let me know. Like, I really want to know that because maybe it's not something that we're going to keep doing. But at least for this episode and maybe the next one, we'll run it as a little bit of a test. And if the revenue that we get from it is worth it, then you know maybe it's, it's a way that we'll kind of compensate for that in the meantime while we all try to get through this really difficult time. So I just wanted you to know that since that'll be a little bit different. But to kind of counter that, uh, we're, we're in the podcast, we're going to keep all the between segment stuff. So we're going to give you more stuff to listen to. Hopefully it's interesting. It's stuff that we usually just keep, you know, for the YouTube folks, but we'll give you that between segment banner on the podcast so that there's at least more content, more basketball talk to balance out some of the ads. So just want to give you that note before we start. And, uh, Hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Make sure you go to assemblycall.com slash rewatch. So you can get all the details for our live rewatch series that we have coming up. And without further ado, here is this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 161st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 601st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, March 19th, 2020, a night that should have featured the first full slate of NCAA tournament games, maybe an Indiana NCAA tournament game. Instead... You get us. That's just not right. No, coach, it is not. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot.
Well, this week should have been chock full of potential banner moments, but obviously that has not been the case. And, you know, on the list of concerns right now, a dearth of banner moment candidates clearly falls somewhere near the very bottom. But if our goal during this shared time together is to enjoy a momentary diversion by focusing on basketball, and that's certainly how we're going to approach it, then we need to make do with what little news we have. And there was actually quite significant news this week. Indiana's announcement that Scott Dolson will slide over one chair to step in for Fred Glass as Indiana's next athletic director. Now, I have no personal experience with Dolson that I can draw on, but I can tell you this. Everyone that I have talked to who knows him or who has worked with him believes that he is, at worst, a very solid choice for the position and, at best, a potential home run in-house promotion who will take what Fred Glass achieved and build on it. And here are two facts about Dolson that suggest he might have the experience and relationships necessary to help Archie Miller shepherd IU basketball back to consistent national relevance. One, Dolson was a manager under Bob Knight from 1984 through 1988, a time period during which he saw Indiana miss an NCAA tournament completely and win a national title. So he's a, quote, IU guy who knows what the program can be because he lived it. And two, Dolson, by all accounts, played an integral role in the logistics of bringing Knight back to Assembly Hall earlier this year for the Purdue game. It was a moment many years in the making, and it says something that Knight's players trusted Dolson to be their liaison within the university to make it happen. So time will tell if Scott Dolson is up to the job, but I think we can all agree that having someone in the role with legitimate basketball experience and strong relationships with Indiana's former players can only help the Hoops program moving forward. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show, and we have a special treat this week. Everyone is here. It is a four-man show tonight. It's a big freaking deal. I think it's going to get a little wild. Yes, I think it will get a little wild. And let's start on the left and work our way around the horn, beginning with... You'll have fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. Fun, fun, fun. Look around you, Helen. We're at the threshold of hell. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in basketball or life in general? Uh, I I have lost all concept of time at this point. People were tweeting out things on Wednesday night like, oh, this time IU was beating Nebraska. Fred Hoiberg was sitting there on the bench. I was like, there is no way in the world that's only been a week. Um, So I think everybody that I've talked to feels like they're in a, a similar boat. So. Uh, good to get together and, and talk. There's actually a little bit more news than you might suspect. You talked about the Dolson news, a couple uh, other at least small things there. So um, surprising, but uh, I guess we need something to do to talk to news. I think the availability of all four of us uh, probably has a lot to do with no one has any place to go or really anything else to do. <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, we'll live with that. But yeah, just and we're just gonna, desperate to get away and yeah. <laughs> do something else. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what are you going to do? But uh, yeah, so uh, looking forward to chatting with you guys about a hypothetical tournament and uh, definitely missed the first day of the tournament today. I, you know, it, I like so many people make it a point to take these days off uh, every year. I did not need to take today off. I was uh, not in the office, but for a different reason. <laughs> and so was at home. Uh, lamenting not having the NCAA tournament. So while not the biggest deal out there at all, definitely a weird uh, time of year and something that uh, I know we all miss quite a bit. He, he missed more by the fact that IU would have been in it, but uh, we'll uh, we'll make the best of it between this and rewatching some of the old uh, the old IU tournament games uh, over the course of the next few weeks. Yep. All right. Up next. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Hey. 
Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Then I would have been fired because of the stripper poles in high school. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Um, perspective. Um, trying to make sure that I keep proper perspective in the absence of all that we like and enjoy IU basketball, March Madness, start of a sp- uh, spring training and, and Major League Baseball. And, and to try to remember that uh, this is sports, and while we miss it, uh, life does go on. And it really it, it makes me appreciate uh, this group, uh, the four of us, but it, it's not just the four of us. It's everyone in the chat mob and, and getting together. I really look forward to tonight to try to get back to a small piece of normalcy, uh, and that's uh, watching the chat mob and, and, and hanging out with you guys talking some basketball. So I think it's, a, it's a, a combination of, you know, taking this thing serious and yet trying to find those outlets where you can have uh, some fun and get back to some things that we, we all cherish. Uh, very happy about the, the Dolson announcement and seeing the other candidates. I thought the search committee did a, a really nice job. Probably would have been happy with a few of of those choices. My son Brandon was a manager for three years and had a lot of conversations with Scott Dolson, and he said that he is one of the greatest uh, people at IU that he came in contact with and and treats everyone with a lot of class and dignity. So that's a a personal story. I I have talked to him a few times uh, just in passing, but – to, to have someone in your family who worked with him and talked with him on a regular basis uh, speak for him. Uh, and then really happy with his words on Archie Miller, obviously the fan that I am of, of Coach Miller and, and the idea of a plan. And that's perspective again, too, when we get back into the basketball, that the three-year perspective will answer that with the, the, some statistics later on in one of the questions. So I'm just trying to keep a, keep the right perspective and, and, and not, you know, drive uh, Mrs. Coach, uh, too crazy in, in these times all right and next analyzing players finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted never lifted a finger he's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this the dude just interrupted his own jingle yo this is sneak deal double dizzle brian what is your rant on the last week in iu basketball uh, you know, I think that with everything that's gone on, as, as Andy said, I, I was flying home from New York in, in like work meetings at this time last week. And it seems like it was a month and a half ago. Like, it just seems so like so much has happened. So much has changed. The world is completely different. We literally are in a different world. Uh, and I think what's gotten lost in that we've had some positive Indiana basketball news. I mean, obviously keeping perspective on everything. We've had some positive IU news with the, the new athletic director. Christian Lander has said, Hey, if there is going to be a basketball season in the, you know, starting in, in 2020, I want to be a part of it. I'm going to reclassify if I can, you know, all that stuff. That's great news. But something they got lost in all this is the fact that two seniors had their careers end through no fault of their own. And, and I think it's time to sort of, we should, I know we'll probably do this in an off season show, but I think it's just time to recognize Devonte green and Deron Davis a, a little bit. I mean, those guys certainly didn't have, the consistent careers that I think everybody hoped they would. But I mean, you look at them both and Deron Davis came on campus as a, as a highly touted recruit who I loved from his high school film. I mean, we have a somewhere in the archives, you know, when you scroll down there, we have a, a scouting report for him. And um, the fact that he played with Thomas Bryant, seems like Thomas Bryant's been gone for like 10 years. And the fact that as a freshman, he played as Thomas Bryant's backup and then was sort of as Archie took over, supposed to be the guy 
who sort of took over for him. And he opened that sophomore season by playing really well against Duke and, you know, all these things. And it felt like things were going really well. And then he had injuries. Devontae Green was a guy who, while frustrating and, and not consistent, could go nuclear as quickly as any player I've ever seen in an IU uniform. Obviously, I don't have the depth of experience that you guys do with IU, but uh, you know, as, as in my time, he was one of those guys where he'd hit two threes and he'd be like, "Oh, he could make six more." You know, I mean, it was just he'd get into these hot streaks um, where he was just lights out. And um, while he wasn't as consistent as people wanted, I, I appreciated the effort these guys had over the last couple of years. And I know we criticized. Certainly both of them at times, and of course, Devontae at times, but, you know, it's heartbreaking that their seasons ended the way they did because this team started to play pretty well and started to put together some good performances. And it, the fact that in their first three years, they didn't get to go to a tournament, probably because of things outside of their control. There was a coaching change. There was a complete culture change, all these things. And finally, during their senior year, they had earned I think in the estimation of everyone, I've got the two bracketologists here with me, but in the estimation of everyone, they had earned a spot in the tournament and didn't get to go is just really sad. And I think that, that, you know, who's your nation. And, and I know a lot of people have, but just needs to wrap their arms around those guys. I mean, regardless of, of what the results were on the court, those guys worked hard for four years and they gave everything they had Duran specifically working his way back from injury and all of that. And, and, you know, it just stinks that it ended the way it did for those guys. And, and so, um, you know, it, that's really sad. And and I think that's kind of gotten lost in the seed change. As, as Andy said, I love March Madness and I would have loved watching the tournament today. And as I was thinking about that today, I thought, oh man, I, you would have been in it too for the first time in a while. And we had two seniors who had never gotten to do it. So it was, this was, a, this would have been a special thing for them. And, and it's a shame they didn't get to do it. So uh, they'll always be part of the, part of the family though, no matter what. And I'd love to see those guys continue to come back to IU. Absolutely. Okay. Um, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Christian Lander reclassification news from this week, what that may mean. And then we are going to break down the official assembly call bracket. I know that no official bracket was released, but we came up with ours from all the bracketologists from the assembly call. Uh, and so we are going to break that bracket down just because it's fun and kind of scratches that bracket itch. And then we got a bunch of good questions in the mediocre mailbag that we will get to. Before we get to that, a couple of announcements. Number one, make sure that you support our friends at Home Field. These guys are doing right by their employees in a really, really tough time, guaranteeing sick leave, you know, guaranteeing pay, even if they have to cut hours. Absolutely a small business that, that you want to support. We love those guys. Homefieldapparel.com. You can use the promo code assembly to get or assembly20 to get 20% off. As you may have seen, if you are on our email list, we normally do a donation drive around this time, kind of help support us, you know, cover the cost of the show in the off season. We are putting that off. Uh, and we would ask that if, you know, supporting us is something that you have done in the past or that you would consider doing now, uh, instead, go support Home Field, support a small business, or consider supporting a local food bank. You can go to foodpantries.org or feedingamerica.org. Both of those are great places to find food banks in your area. Uh, support them because they are really going to pick up the slack for a lot of kids who are out of school, who depend on school to get food. Food banks often pick up the slack for that. And then the last note, uh, Andy alluded to this, we are starting a live rewatch of classic Indiana NCAA tournament games. If you want the details for this, go to assemblycall.com slash rewatch. We're basically setting it up to approximate the NCAA tournament schedule. So we're going Friday, Sunday, Friday, Sunday, Saturday, Monday for the next three weeks. 
Uh, we've got a, a classic IU game from every round of the tournament, starting with the 98 IU-Oklahoma game tomorrow night. We hope you'll join us. We're going to synchronize it, start the show live at the same time, or start the, the rewatch live for everybody. We'll be tweeting it just like it's a game. We'll do a post-game show right afterwards. I know it's not the same as a live NCAA tournament game, but it's the closest approximation that we can get, and so we'd love to have you join us for that. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. It's us. It's the guys from Crimson Cast and Chris from IU Artifacts. We'll have a rotating cast on the post-game shows. So it really, it should be a lot of fun. Um, and so, like I said, we hope that you'll join us for that. Uh, all right, gents, let's talk about Christian Lander. Uh, obviously, some news this week. He announced on TikTok uh, that he is most likely to reclassify. Not a sentence I ever thought I would say, talking about TikTok. Then he went on Twitter earlier today to clarify his TikTok comments. So we're just bouncing back and forth from social media channels. He said to anyone who has seen my TikTok post about most likely reclassifying, I'm saying that if it's possible through all this coronavirus stuff, I'm going to if I can. Uh, And his dad was quoted in the Indianapolis Star as saying, at the latest, it would be a June graduation. He's got to get an English class and an econ class. He said, honestly, he has his eyes on a bigger prize. He can go to school and do what he had planned to do at IU and hopefully go on to bigger and better things. So it is obviously the plan. That is what he wants to do, coach. And now we will just wait and see if he's able to. And obviously, we all agree you know, that while there are going to be some challenges for a guy jumping straight from junior and high school to college, you know, physical challenges, you know, just general maturity challenges because he's a young guy. He is a fantastic talent. Go back and listen to Ryan's scouting report of him if you missed it. And for a team that has lacked playmaking at the guard position, even if he'll have an up and down freshman season, Having him is much better than the alternative next year of not having him for a team that I think is going to have some decently high hopes. So now we just wait and see what he'll be able to do. Yeah, I think that's exciting news because he makes Indiana better next year, even though he's going to be a younger player uh, entering college. Uh, as, as Ryan said, he can run an offense. That, that's the thing that's probably the most exciting, as well as all his physical skills. The ability to run that offense, to relieve Rob from some of that, might elevate Rob's play as well when they play together. And you can stagger people throughout the game and, and have a true ball handler throughout, as we talked uh, in, in past shows. Uh, the, the concern is obviously, can he get those two credits? And, and with the, the suspension of schools and everything, uh, how how is that going to play out for all students here in the state of Indiana, uh, as well as uh, as as for him? But there's some online courses and things. I think that if there's a way to to do it, they'll they'll try to figure it out. As long as it's just a, a couple classes, but he makes Indiana better. Uh, and and coming in with that group, I think that is tight together from AAU is another push in the, in the way of, of team chemistry and that team toughness that everyone has been so longing for, for, for too many years. And it's been way too slow to get to, to that point. So yeah, those, those, that's an exciting, um, announcement. You know, Ryan, one of the things that, that we're seeing now with all these guys entering the transfer portal, you saw today DJ Carton has decided that he's going to transfer from Ohio State. He is obviously a guy that Indiana was really heavy on. And, you know, as soon as that happens, you see, hey, is Indiana going to go after these guys? You know, these different guards announce they're you know, going to sure. grad transfer, whatever. Is Indiana going to go after these guys? I mean, if Christian Lander's coming in next year and you've got Rob Finnessy and you've got a senior Al Durham and a guy in Armand Franklin, who obviously, you know, the staff has plans for, you're not going to go after a guy like DJ Carton, you know, and you may not be able to get your pick yeah. of the litter of grad transfer guys either. So I think, wouldn't you agree that people need to keep their expectations in check for what Indiana can get additionally in the backcourt? 
Plus, you have Trey Galloway coming in, too, who can handle some of those duties. And Anthony Leal. I mean, and not as a point guard. He's not a playmaker, a, though. But, but, but he's a back. He's a backcourt player, though. You know, and you want to have a balanced roster. We saw this year with so many frontcourt players. You want to have a balanced roster. You know, it was almost at some at some points this year, it was hard to figure out how to get guys onto the floor in the front court because it was so overloaded. And all you were doing was begging for one guard to be consistent. Well, now it seems like they're going to have a bunch of guards. No, look, G.J. Carton's available. I want to bring him on campus to talk to him because there's always room for transfers. And oh, and I mean, if he's willing, sure. <laughs> and, and, and you know, and, and I've heard you know rumors that Carton he's had some he's admitted he's had some mental health issues. Yeah, and and really struggled with that. And Ohio State is supporting his transfer. I assume he's going to go somewhere closer to home, and he's from Iowa, so I assume it's going to be Iowa State, Iowa. You know, it's just a guess. You know, something there. But if he's, of course, if he's willing to get on campus, I mean, IU was in the running for him. Um, if you can get a guy that's that talented, you know, you have to take a look at it and, and look, transfers happen. Guys leave programs. It, you, I mean, if you bring a guy like that in Carton probably has to sit a year. I mean, uh, he might, you know, if that transfer rule doesn't, you know, go into immediate effect. But again, and, highly, highly unlikely. We don't want to get anybody's course. hopes up here. Of course. No, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know, except for there's a guy, I guess if there's a guy like that, yeah, you got to consider everybody. You want to you want to raise the talent level. If that means that you push a guy like Armand Franklin a, a, a bit to the back of the rotation to get a better player, you do it. That's you want to load. You constantly reloading. Now, look, I'm not saying Armand Franklin can't be a great player for Indiana. He can't. Uh, and, and I'm just saying that if if somebody out there is available, that's definitely better. I mean, I don't see why at this point you don't. Hey, I'll amend that. Somebody who's definitely better and can shoot, I think, is the big thing. I mean, this team obviously needs shooters. Now, shooting was down across the board in college basketball. If you can find somebody who can shoot, you're going to have a leg up on people. And Indiana has not shot it well the last couple of years. So I think that needs to be a focus. I think that Leal helps that. I think Galloway eventually will help that. I think he's got an okay shot. He just has had wrist issues, as we've discussed before. Uh, Lander, I think, helps that. And guys like Rob Finnessy and Al Durham, who I think got, I thought Al Durham got better as the year went on about taking better shots, about being in a better position when he took his shots, no about the, you know, his form, all that stuff. And about hitting some big ones. You know, he did down the stretch, hit some big ones and made some big plays as, as well. So if those guys can continue to grow, which I mean, they did slightly, but they need to take bigger steps than they did between last year and this year. They need to take a bigger step this off season and be able to knock down shots with consistency and be able to, you know, Hey, maybe take five, six a game and make half of them in some games. I mean, you know, instead of just taking one or two and making one one of two, something like that. I, I so it's really going to depend on who's available, what's available. But if you're Archie Miller, I see no reason to say like I'm not bringing guys on campus because guys' feelings are going to hurt. Are going to get hurt. You know, you need to bring guys on campus and improve this roster as best you can. Now let's let's just get to the point where we can bring guys on campus again. Who yeah. knows when that'll actually happen? And 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 look, last year they kind of slow played the transfer market, and it I, I think it hurt them this year with their guard depth. Um, they waited around for some guys in recruiting and didn't get them, and they lost out on some transfers. So I think you have to hit the transfer market hard. I think like a lot of people, I expect a few transfers out at least one. Um, don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, this has changed everything. That's you just know? playing I, the odds. But, yeah, but I mean, we've you know we've heard internal things about guys potentially transferring, and and of course it's not definitely will, but they'll explore their options. I mean, you've got to be prepared for that, and I think that there's going to be roster spots open. I think that a lot and, of people expect that, and I think you got to bring someone in who's going to contribute. 
uh, and you better do you better really do your due diligence. Uh, I don't think bringing someone in that's not going to play the way Archie uh, wants to play or cannot shoot or will not or doesn't shoot well. Uh, because you do have 12 guys that are Indiana guys, and, and you, you want to develop them. So I'm all for we need a shooter, um, and you want to bring that 13th player if you have a 13th scholarship in. Um, you know, and I, I'd have to go back and look at how the Proctor kid at Purdue did. He started off well, and he played okay. Uh, but I, um, what it did, it bought some time for the younger kids that they redshirted uh, there. And so that could be something, too. But you want someone who can come in and play. Yeah, um, yep. The, the last if you're getting time a transfer, you're bringing in somebody to play. Yeah, he couldn't. He couldn't play in Fitzner, and with all due respect uh, to him as a young person, he just wasn't ready to go from where he was to to the Big Ten. So, um, and I, I guess there's no San Diego guy. How you know that um, he was a San Diego guy. But yeah, let's make sure he can. They can play because you are going to take minutes from um, some of those younger guys, if, if you do bring them on and I'm okay with that. Cause it's all about winning and winning next year as, as much as possible. By the way, our four man rotation lasted what? 11 minutes. Andy had to hop off cause there are tornado sirens as if, you know, you needed something else to worry about. This is fun. So hopefully, uh, Andy will get back. He said he might try to hop on with us here in a little bit, especially since we're going to get ready to start breaking down a bracket that he was the one who compiled. But that is what we're going to do next coming up here. I know that we don't have the real bracket to break down. That is disappointing. But we do have the official assembly call bracket to break down. Our composite bracket made from the best bracketologists in the business. We are going to do that next. It'll be fun. Stick with us. The thing about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. We probably don't even need the words, the Name Your Price tool, to tell you that our humpback whale pup gives you options based on your budget. Or that our novelty hand buzzer helps you save on car insurance. And that's the thing about the tiny felt bag filled with marbles. At this point, you've heard a lot of ads about the elusive northern bobcat. The Name Your Price tool. <clears throat> the neighbor who baked you banana bread. Only from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. All right. Hello, everybody out there. It is so nice to see 50, 55 people watching. It is nice to see that. Off season, not a whole lot of news. Going to break down a fake bracket. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you guys being here for real for real um yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with the roster it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with player development this offseason i mean well you started to see you started to see it's early but that aren't getting one and dones start to redshirt people you know you've yeah and that wasn't utilized in college basketball for a long time unless there was an injury you know, and, and you've seen Villanova yeah. do it to great success. Purdue did it a couple times. You're starting to see these teams that aren't Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas start to utilize the red shirt and, and sort of weaponize it a little bit to make sure they have seasoned players filling their roster every time. I think that's a possibility for you. I don't know. I don't know who it would be next year because I think that the incoming guys fill spots that fill kind of roles that they need. Um, I, you know what? If if he sticks around, I could see Demise Anderson maybe getting a red shirt for a year to try and improve and 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 work on his game if he does stick around. But 
who knows what's going to happen with that. When you when you look at the roster next year, it's really intriguing. It's it's missing two things for me, and one is experience. Yeah. Um, because you just don't know how the young – you like the young guys, but you just don't know how they're going to come in and play are they going to be rob where he came in and contributed right away are they going to be armand where you have a good game and an off six games and then a couple good games and that's good uh and then you have some freshmen like demisi who don't who don't make it that freshman year so when you look at the roster it's kind of intriguing and interesting but the shooting aspect you, you, you need to have jerome step up and be a better shooter if he's going to play a lot of the three you're going to need armand and and the guards to hit some shots so that's where that that extra scholarship if it's open with a shooter does it does intrigue me, but I also don't mind leaving it blank. Um, you know, I, like I just you said, it's got to be a dude. It's got to be a guy who can got, play. Yeah, there, but here's the thing: I, it's going to be interesting to see how this shutdown impacts the transfer market because guys aren't going to be able to go on yeah. visits. Like there were guys who a week from now will be going on transfer visits, you know, mm-hmm. and they can't now. Um, so I think if guys do transfer, they might be transferring to places they visited during their recruitment, which sometimes happens anyway. But, you know, going to places they're familiar with because they can't go get on campus somewhere. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, we're in uncharted territory. I wonder if it'll tamp down the transfer market because guys are just like, I don't want to risk it. I'm going to stay here. Who knows if there's even another season coming, you know, like if the season will start on time or whatever. And guys will just say, yeah, nah, I'll stay put. And give it another year. But same thing with your NBA testing. Yeah. You know, oh, the draft. I mean, yeah. around and put your name in and go around and stay places and be worked out by places. Um, yeah. You may have guys getting recruited solely on game or getting drafted solely on game tape. I mean, they know these guys really well. They start scouting when they're in high school, but still, I mean, there's guys who played really well this year. Like Obi Toppin was a nothing recruit. They watched him play, but they want to get their hands on medical records and, and, you know, interview him and things like that. And they're going to have to do the interviews via Skype. They're going to have to, you know, maybe they can do a closed door workout with like three people and videotape it. You know, I mean, like it's, it's really fascinating how this is going to change sports over the next couple months. Yeah. I know it's not the biggest, I know it's not the biggest worry we have in the no, world. But right it, now, no, but, but it's just so open-ended, you know, it's like, Hey, maybe if, if things really go right over the next few weeks, maybe things can return to normal by the middle of May, you know, and then you can have some semblance of a normal op- schedule, but that's really optimistic. Like it really yeah, is. What, from, really what we've, from what we've been told uh, behind the scenes at the major sports leagues at work, it's that's very optimistic. Yeah, and, and they're not they're not sure. But it, you know, you might in June start seeing empty arena type stuff uh, just to get them going because you know the NBA has got to get going at some point. Uh, you know, or they're going to have to scrap the season, and they don't want to scrap the season where they were doing all these tributes to Kobe and had this big coming together and everything. They don't want to have no champion in that year. And I think that baseball is going to have to cut its season down. I mean, they keep saying they're going to play the full thing. I I don't think there's any chance that happens. Um, So we'll see. It's going to be late. It's going to be a long time and we'll be here every week to help you guys out. And then some other times we will with, uh, with, with streaming content. Yes, we will. Andy bottoms is back. Ladies and gentlemen, How's the what's the tornado situation? I mean, why the hell not? Why would you not just have you know just? I I started to hear some outside, and then Jen's texting me. She's like, "Oh, the tornado sirens are going off." I didn't even know. I mean, it's been like pouring down rain here for quite some time, but it seems okay. Not what's heading next? In an hour to hour part of town. So what's yeah. next? Locusts? I I don't yeah. have my plagues down straight. <laughs> it's frogs. Is that the? <sighs> oh boy. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're good. I'm gonna get that drop. 
because after a couple of bad Indiana losses in a row, what's next? Locust is going to be a pretty right. good one. That was a good one. It's a good one. Um, all right. Well, good, Andy. We wanted to make sure that you were back for this for the bracket so that you can give us a quick rundown of how you compiled it. Okay. And, uh, you know, do this for 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, Just I put a couple other like goes. potential topics in the list for that one, like five, twelve okay. upsets or other like upset picks that we had or something like that. If you want to do that, yeah, okay, good regardless. Um, and I should, I guess, I'll just tell people to go to Twitter because I've tweeted it out a bunch. The bracket, yeah. If they're listening, if they want to see the bracket, then go to Twitter and find it, or tweet me, or email me, or whatever. Um, okay, you guys ready to go? Yep. yep. Right, yep. Let's do it. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob, chat mobbers during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all of the between segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. All right, I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with our entire crew, Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. We haven't done this in a long time. Had all four of us here. The last time we did it, we definitely said at the end, we're never doing this again because that was too many people. But, you know, it's the off season. <laughs> Every, everybody was clamoring to be on the show this week. So. <laughs> I was like, hey, does anybody, the first, together. Does anybody the want the segment, week off? I have a tornado scare. So yeah. uh, perhaps somebody's trying to tell us something. Yeah, I'm just the, the quickest text replies, no, I'm in. I'm ready to go. It's like, okay, well, let's just all do it. Uh, so here's what we have planned for this segment. We're going to break down a fictitious bracket, all right? Obviously, we didn't get our main bracket, but we compiled one. Uh, we basically took the four bracketologists, Andy, that are on this show, you, the Delphi Bracketology Bracket, Galen Clavio, Mike DeCourcy, the official bracketologist of the Assembly Call. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you kind of let the bracket guy, Dave, bracket break ties, and then I hope you checked it against Joe Lenardi's bracket to make sure there was no overlap, because we certainly don't want to have any overlap. With his, I did not. I did not do that part. But the first part that you said was true. So yeah, I, I got got those four. Uh, in the case of uh, of Galen and Delphi, I had to get some bootleg unpublished copies that uh, no one had ever, no one had seen because neither of them had actually put up a new bracket uh, for uh, Thursday morning, given everything that was going on. So uh, they were they were all kind enough to send me there. So did that, and then any ties, which I think was inclusive of even the last spot in the field, I just used the seed list that. Uh, that Dave puts up at Bracketville to to break any ties, and then I plugged it into this uh, Excel spreadsheet that Chad Sherwood, who does stuff on Hoops HD, uh, has uh, given me the last couple of years to kind of make sure you're not uh, breaking any of the rules uh, of of bracketing and any of that stuff, and uh, put it together. and And then I let it sit for a few days before I even had the heart to really look at it. <laughs> no one name drops highly ranked bracketologists like Andy Bottoms. I, hey, I just want to give I just want to give people credit for. Chad's spreadsheet made things a whole lot easier. So. so here's what I want to say to preface this before we do it. You might be thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, breaking down a fake bracket. I'm not going to tell you that you're not right. <laughs> you, you, There's you almost might... <laughs> no chance they haven't heard dumber things yeah. on this show. I mean, that Maybe is not today, but at some point they have. That is, for sure. that is true. But I just want you to know that I have spent a lot of time since we agreed to do this, agreeing with this and saying, okay, this segment's going to be terrible. I don't even really want to fill this bracket out because like, what's going to be the fun of it? I actually did it today because I knew we were going to be doing this. 
I had so much more fun than I thought I was going to filling out the bracket, even though it's not the real bracket, just trying to figure out who would win and then the matchups and filling it out and seeing how it would develop and what game, what matchups would be there. I'm telling you, it was more fun than I thought. So if you want to do this, if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, I've posted it like six times in our Twitter feed. If you go to at assembly call or just send me a tweet, email me, Jared at assembly call. I'll send it to you if you want to go fill it out. But now we want, I'm not going to run through the entire thing. Um, you know, so but let let's kind of go through. And uh, how do you want to start this, Andy? Should we just start from the Indiana perspective? Where do you want to explain where you guys had uh, Indiana and and maybe what the range was between the four of you for where the Hoosiers uh, were? Yeah, that would be good if I had the sheet up that would tell me that. I think everybody had them. I they were between. I think Dave might have had them. Well, I didn't use this. I don't know. Anywhere between nine and eleven, I think probably mostly ten and eleven. They ended up as a ten seed in the uh, in the composite. Uh, playing against Houston, which I will add, I'm sure people are like, "Oh, you have a really good sense of humor that you uh, you did that on purpose." But actually, based on the way like the bracketing rules work, it was uh, kind of hard not to have it that way. Uh, two of the other seven seeds were Big Ten teams, which limited yeah. it, so IU couldn't play them. And then uh, Rutgers was actually higher on the ten line, so they got the geographic preference, and IU took the one that was left over. So they'd be, according to this, in Sacramento playing. Uh, Kelvin Sampson and Houston in the first round, and then the two seed in that area was uh, San Diego State. If, not uh, only have to, to play Kelvin Sampson, but get stuck in Sacramento. Nobody wants to be in Sacramento. Well, you know the interesting thing, you know, not just about this bracket, but kind of all the mock brackets that you saw, and when you look at bracket matrix, you know where Indiana was, and then what the other teams were that were projected to be Indiana opponents. There were the possibility for so many great matchups, you know, because based on where Indiana was, you could have played Arizona with Sean Miller. You could have potentially played Colorado, which had McKinley Wright, the point guard that Archie recruited to Dayton. You could have potentially played Virginia, depending on, you know, how low their seed went, although they probably would have been a little bit higher. Uh, You know, there were a lot of really intriguing potential first round matchups with with interesting storylines. Of course, we'll never, you know, get to see what the what the actual one would have would have been. But what did everybody do with that first round game? If it had been Indiana Houston, please tell me that we're all picking Indiana to advance. Come on. Ho- Homerism Come at on. all. Come on. Okay, what yeah. what is your In a hypothetical scenario? You I mean, even hypothetically to to pick Kelvin Sampson to beat IU. I know. With I, Not in all in all seriousness, I mean every team from the American was in a weird spot because nobody in that league was had really really asserted themselves. Houston had by far the highest net ranking, but really in terms of quality wins and things like that, they didn't have, they didn't have a ton. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I picked IU to beat them. Uh, and the last time IU faced a Kelvin Sampson coach team in the tournament is a game that we'll be uh, rewatching tomorrow night. Tomorrow so, night. Kelvin Sampson in his fourth year at Oklahoma. I think that's the game we're going to do from the 1998 first round. Um, yeah. yeah he I didn't make it. To, he didn't make it to four years at Indiana. I wonder what happened there. Hmm. Oh. I'm not sure. Oh, weird. Not sure. Uh, Coach, so you had Indiana winning? Yeah, the first round against Houston. And I also think their second round matchup is probably the best they could have asked for. Uh, the two seeds are all tough, uh, but San Diego State had struggled down down the stretch. And San Diego State shooting resume, was not good, yeah. Their yeah. resume just was bolstered by having no losses for a while, and then they lost to a couple um, uh, quad three teams. So, you know, I'm not saying that's a it's an easy win for Indiana, but that's probably the best matchup um, for the Hoosiers. Yeah, so, I mean, the other, just so people know, the other two seeds were yeah, Florida State, Villanova, and Maryland. Oh man, yeah. So, so two of them, so two of them, you couldn't play, uh, or 
Well, no. Well, yeah, you wouldn't. They would let you play Florida State again in the second round, but that's fairly, uh, fairly unlikely. Wouldn't be able to really be matched up against Maryland. Um, and Villanova was on I the roll late. I don't they? believe. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then Villanova was was pretty hot. I'm not sure that uh, playing a, a really super strong offensive team. Uh, not a good matchup. Sounds, sounds particularly. <laughs> well, not here's good, what I'll say about. Good. Here's what I'll say about San Diego State. The only thing, the, the the main thing that worried me about is the perimeter defense from their guards is really good. And if Indiana, we've seen this year, if Indiana didn't shoot well or didn't at least get some shots to fall, they yeah. tended to lose. And so that that would be the one concern. San Diego State's defense for any, I, I don't care who they played for any level, that's a legit defense. The thing San Diego State didn't do down the stretch is make shots. And, and Malachi Flynn is a fantastic player, but he and the other guys on the perimeter when they lost those two games late, they just went ice cold. And and they did that a couple times, and thanks to their defense, they were able to eke it out. But, yeah, of those remaining matchups, I mean, I would have loved to play Florida State again. I, I think that that sort of – I think it would have been entertaining as hell. I don't know if it would have oh, yeah. been good for us, but it would have been entertaining as hell. And then, you know, Maryland is a team that Indiana could clearly beat. Uh, they had them, you well, know, before – and Mark took two games this year would suggest they, otherwise. But the, sure. the evidence, well, it, like capable, no, they, yes, they but. should have beat them. I mean, you know, and 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 Mark Turgeon's <laughs> the coach. I mean, you always you always err on the side of playing the worst coach you can. So I, I think you know, I think wow. Maryland. I I wouldn't have been like if they went into that Maryland game, I wouldn't have been afraid. You know, they played toe to toe with Maryland at home and should have beat them and blew it. And and so they did. But Mark. Well, Urgent is the Delphi brackets of college coaching from what I've heard someone on this show say. That's right. That is right. Um, you know, I really wanted to pick Indiana in this matchup because it would have set up a sweet 16 battle with Virginia, which, you know, just would have made my tournament. But you would need to watch that alone in a dark room by yourself. Yeah. Just well, send the family if they cut to any shots of Ty Jerome in the stands. Jared would have passed out. But uh, otherwise, it would have been fine. Would have been would have been great. I mean, that game would have been 32 to 30. But the reason why I didn't pick Indiana to beat San Diego State is what you said, Ryan, their perimeter defense. And how are we so going to handle Malachi Flynn? Because we struggled to contain you know, really good point guards and guys who can penetrate all season long. Those two things worried me. So yeah, I, I have them going out in the second round. Though. So I had Indiana losing coach. How far did you have the Hoosiers going? Indiana over San Diego state. This is an IU show. It's hypothetical. We're all locked in the house. Indiana wins. <laughs> We're going dancing, baby. It's all simple. right. Okay. Week 16. We got to have some smiles. It's not time to be truthful. You're, su- and you're such a populist. You know, you just, you play to the chat mob. Well, when Absolutely. you're not ranting at the chat mob, I guess. I, I, I know. <laughs> I, I know where oh, my where I have risen from. <laughs> I picked I picked him to beat him because I I feel like whenever I would always I would pick a bracket I would always pick IU maybe one game further than yeah than would be you know kind of the the obvious choice. So that's I, I had him beat in San Diego State. I I adapted that adage some time yeah. ago and stuck with it. That was always my philosophy. It's like. You know, you don't want them to make a run, and then you're sitting there looking at your bracket, and and you know you're missing mm-hmm. points because you didn't pick your own team. So I I usually used to just pick Indiana, go all the way. You know, it was just more fun that way. And hey, you know, it had a decent chance of happening back in the day. Um, okay, so coach, you had them losing then in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, to Seton Hall. To Seton Hall. Okay, so you didn't yeah. even ha- you didn't Same have here. Virginia beating Seton Hall. Okay. Um, so that's where we had Indiana going. Uh, let us know where you guys had Indiana going. What were so? Let's go through our final four picks. B, 
because you know that that's the thing about this. Our final four picks probably maybe it'd be a little bit based on matchups, but those are probably going to be. I, I had one final four pick that was kind of matchup based based on how they went. The other three were pretty much what I would have picked no matter what the bracket was. Um, so let's go around the horn, Ryan. Why don't you start with your final four picks? Uh, I let's see. I had Gonzaga, Michigan State. What was my other one? I'm just looking at this now. Ryan just uh, got the bracket two minutes ago. So. No, I had. I actually looked at it earlier today. He's like Greg Gumbel, right? When they <laughs> give it to him before. The- <laughs> no, when you tweeted it, but I, I'm forgetting who was where. Uh, so I had Gonzaga, Michigan State. Um, it's my fault for throwing oh, Dayton Louisville. For yeah. Louisville, Louisville, and Dayton. Dayton. That's my yeah. guy. Man, no way. I think I thought I just thought that I, I think Kansas was going to go out early because Bill Self, and I thought I didn't love Maryland. I really didn't love Maryland this year. I, I didn't Michigan love Maryland either. I have Michigan beating Maryland. I well, yeah, we as, had as Michigan taking them out, and then I, I think that it's a you know, Maryland gets great, no love on this year. Louisville's got. A great hey, I'm player. with you, Ryan. I have Louisville in the Final Four beating Kansas in Indianapolis where the Louisville fans come, make it a home court for the Sweet 16. It's a close game. Jordan Nora shows up and goes yeah. crazy. He's a closer, and he upsets Kansas. Yeah, I like Nora, and, and I you know I, I just thought that was a weaker bracket than, than the others, so I thought it was pretty well. I, I just saw it, like 100% saw Kansas coming as the number one team, the only dominant team in college basketball, and then just losing because that, that's what happens every time that happens to them. So, I had Kansas. I, I had Dayton. I had Dayton just because I had Dayton because I really want to see Dayton make a final. I want to make you know who's going to beat Dayton? Final. The team with great two point field goal defense, Wisconsin, who's playing well. Sweet sixteen. I have Wisconsin beating That's, Dayton. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, look, I I, I don't want I'm not that saying I like. I'm not saying I, I like filling it guys, in, but, but it's a bad matchup for Dayton. Basically, that would be Wisconsin's defense against Obi Top and just being amazing. It'd be one, you know. I mean, so, but yeah, that's what that was my final four. Okay. Coach, oh, Jared, you're the marketing, you're the marketing guru. Don't get, I mean, don't talk Wisconsin winning. Hey, I'm just trying to yeah, give you, the people my actual picks. You know, that's I, all. honesty from Jared. That's you know, I'm no, not saying I Dayton, like it. Dayton did a final four. It's just it's stuck Dayton in my head what they did four. to Indiana over the last eight minutes on you know in that game. Um, okay, so you had Louisville, Dayton. Do we all have Michigan State yeah. going to the final four? I had. Yeah. I thought they were playing well late. Yeah, I I did. Yeah. And plus, you have a great point guard. You're going to have a leg up in the tournament. And the best defensive big man in the game. So. There you go. Uh, okay, so Andy, who were your other your other Final Four choices? Uh, I had uh, Kansas. I had Dayton. Um, I just thought the Dayton story was a good one. I actually, when I ordered some home field stuff, I ordered something Dayton as my way to commemorate right. the season of uh, of doing that. So I thought they were uh, they were a fun team. Uh, I've never forgiven Wisconsin for losing the final to Duke as I stood to win a reasonable amount of uh, money in a tournament pool. Uh, had they come through on there? So I am, am one to hold a grudge in that regard. Uh, I did at Michigan State. And then I was kind of torn. I felt like the winner of the Oregon-Gonzaga game would go. So I'll throw Oregon out yeah. there as maybe a dark horse like Peyton Pritchard getting hot, being a guy who leads. I thought uh, about them. Leads a, leads a team there. Um who knows? Maybe Killian Tilly gets hurt again at some point for Gonzaga over the first two rounds, and then uh, and then Oregon takes it. But yeah, I had Oregon. I'll say Oregon out of that one. Uh, so I had Ohio State coming out of the other region. I had Kansas, Villanova, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Um, they they were kind of my dark horse pick. Just they've been playing better. You know, they're good offensively and defensively. 
And I just think on if they paper, got, they they should be as good as anybody. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, they, they really struggled in the middle of the season. But I think as a five seed, I think they're really underrated coming into it. So that's Dude, what I who have. Who else did Coach have? Did he give all his? I had um, Seton Hall with Miles Powell. Oh, I, Seton Hall. I went closers. Give me four closers. I had Powell from Seton Hall, Winston from Michigan State, Toppin from Dayton, and Nora from Louisville. Give me guys that can make tough shots when the game's tight. Um, and then we could hear Raftery or all those guys go onions and, and go crazy. Uh, give me those closers. I'm no one ever all gets in the paper for passing. Except Nora right. disappeared too many times for me this year. I just didn't. Uh, yeah. I had uh, that, that is true. I had Louisville listen to BYU. I, he was not nearly what I expected him to be over the course of the year. Um, okay, so those are the final four picks. Did you? Who were kind of? Did anybody have any big Cinderellas? I mean, Ohio State, I guess, would kind of qualify as a five seed, making the. They're not really a Cinderella though. That's just kind of no. a, you know an underdog making the final four. Um, I had Yale winning the first round. Yeah, so did I. I did too. I didn't. Ha- I had uh, whoever won the Richmond Xavier game beating West Virginia, which is probably not terribly. But no one had like a just a shocking. Cinderella they really believed in going to like the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight. No. I didn't either. No, uh, I mean I think seed wise, I had Texas Tech in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, oh, I did too. I, I could have seen that. Yeah, but yeah. Texas were, Tech beat Penn State. Yeah. If you really believe in the net, though, that's not a Cinderella story whatsoever. I had him beaten Duke just because. But seed wise, it was yeah, fun so to pick that. Two of our seven seed Big Ten teams make the Sweet 16, and one of them pops to the Elite Eight. I think the Michigan? Big Ten was so good. I had Michigan in the Sweet 16. I had Illinois in the Sweet 16 because of a. You coach. had Illinois beating Villanova? Beating Villanova, beating Duke. I could see that because of Dasunmu. Like, who, who, and especially after president. what coach said about closers, I could see I mean, you picking them. There. Coach, who did you have closers. in the eight? Whew. Which seven seed did you have in the eight? I had um, I had Michigan, Michigan, Louisville, and and uh, Dayton, Illinois. Okay, I just believe in the Big Ten. I think it was the toughest year, and I think somebody had to pop. Jared had Ohio State pop, and I have no problem with that. I think that those are teams that seed wise you don't think are going to win. Yeah, that are going to come up with talented people that have been uh, Illinois won on the road. Uh, several games on the road with that closer. And so I, if I was looking for teams to pop uh, and go against the grain of chalk, uh, that's why I picked um, okay. that. And I think Maryland's too soft mentally. They had t- technicals and the action of a Smith at IU. Uh, they're too soft mentally. Very, very good, but they're going to get beat early. No Big Ten team gets disrespected on this show more than Maryland. Ryan's they saying that, that we, we're clearly better even about? though. No, I'm talking about disrespected. Oh, oh, Wisconsin like, gets like, hated. They're not disrespected. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Maryland that's fair just gets disrespected on the show constantly. I'm not saying it's unwarranted. You know, but it's just it amuses me. So what? So who who does everyone have as champion? I mean, is that the next Michigan State we go to? I think that, I think State. I think this was the year the Big Ten won it all, and I think the storyline of Cassius Winston winning it. I love the Cassius Winston Xavier Tillman storyline. I think Rocket Watts was coming along. I just I just feel like it was going to be one of those refuse to lose God's plan, all that stuff type year for them. I just had a hard time, and they were love, playing really well. To- they were underrated, I think, heading into the I tournament. Would- I would love to be like, no, it's this. I had Michigan State too. I had Michigan State Dayton in the final. Same I threw here. Kansas. I threw Kansas out for the potential of the title getting vacated. So that seems. <laughs> so you had Kansas winning. 
vacated, yeah, I, you know canceled, you know, I whatever. To, I got to the end and there was a couple that I didn't just even write down. I was, I was probably not quite like Jared. Like I, I wasn't super excited about <laughs> filling this out. And then I, I was just kind of like, all right, I got enough. I can, I can shoot from the hip <laughs> on the games that I don't have in here. So I, I probably, I, I did like Kansas. I thought they were playing well. I think with Azubuki and Dotson, that's a good inside outside duo. So I'll say them just to be different and for the uh, potential drama of, uh, of vacating the final four. That's interesting though. I mean, we both clearly, I mean, obviously you guys picked Kansas to lose early, but those were the, those were the two picks. Three of us picked Michigan state. So if you're listening, let us know, you know, obviously you don't know this bracket, but who were kind of your final four teams, independent of matchups. Who's a team that you thought was going to win it all. Are we kind of all out here on an Island overrating Michigan state or are you buying the Spartans too? It'd be interesting to know what everybody thinks would have been nice to have one bracket that we all could have done. But if you need that itch or if you need to scratch that itch, I had I, I had a lot of fun doing it, so we can send you the bracket if you want to do it. Any final thoughts, Coach Andy? Any final thoughts on the bracketing process? You know, do you want to like say a few words about your bracket that was never, not going to be submitted to the bracket matrix? At least those rankings live on for another season, so you know you guys are still eleventh yeah. and thirteenth respectively overall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It was disappointing. It's kind of one of those things. I'm sure coaches the same way. I know you talked about it last week, being able to try to use it as a a teaching point for your, your kids. Um, so that was potentially good for you. I, I was not open to, to that teaching moment personally. Um, and I sat and thought about like all the time I, I took over the course of the season, keeping things up to date in the spreadsheet and doing whatever and kind of getting ready for the, you know, the final exam, uh, if Big you will, reveal. to do that was, uh, was, was a bummer, but, uh, obviously not more important than everything else that was going on. But uh, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing too much, nothing too much to say about the the bracket. I did look back though. Uh, all four had IU as a, as a 10 or an 11 coach and I had him as 10s. The other two had him as 11s. Okay. Makes sense. I feel pretty comfortable about Indiana being in um, it, this last week's just been a smack to my face to have a basketball team going to the regionals and that canceled. You work all God. year to do that and then with the bracketology thing like Andy says you put so much time into it and we we had a new television show uh with Greg Rakestraw and all of that we was going to come to an end and that's what you work for and uh, I had taken two personal days so I didn't I haven't seen my kids since this announcement and it's just bam you know text messages your students you mean my students yes um because of of when when the tournament got called and everything so yeah I'm trying to keep perspective and publicly be positive, um, but there's times when I'm howling at the moon in the basement and saying choice words because it's just been a, an abrupt ending. Uh, but again, uh, the health of all of us is is a heck of a lot more important than uh, my bracket. So, um, trying to trying to keep positive. Delphi <laughs> bracketology is not Mark Turgeon. That's hey, right. By the way, you know what? <laughs> what? Coach, you got to tear some, You got to cut down some nets before it all got. You shut did absolutely. You did absolutely. get to cut down the nets. And um, you know, one of our and seniors. Hey, you you got how many how many high school teams in the state can say they finished the season in a normal year? Can say they finished four. the season on a win? Just four. And now, there you now go. we're uh, uh, a local uh, a guy from a um, business contacted me, and he 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 knew one of our seniors and called him to ask him about how he was feeling and. The response that that young man had was just what you coach for. You know, you, you want to win games, but the senior handled it with class uh, out in public, and and he basically said, "How many seniors can say they won their last game if it wasn't for the state championship?" And that's what we're going to try to remember. Uh, we we have class 
men in our basketball program at our high school. Um, and it was taken away from them, but, the, but they're handling it with class as, as hope, hopefully a, a lot of programs are as well. So very proud of our young men, uh, regardless of the situation, but yeah, it's been seven, eight days of just wondering, you know, what the, what the heck's going on and with, with school being canceled. And I know Andy, your wife is going through the same thing as, as our house is with planning and, and all that. So yeah, it's just been kind of crazy. It just ended. Yeah. But Hey, you know what you ended, you got to end with like a happy memory for those. Absolutely. And it's, it it stinks. You didn't get to go do the regional thing and all that. I mean, I know that's a lot of fun and, and you guys, I mean, quite frankly, probably could have done some damage there with the way you were playing, but you got to end it as good as you can possibly end it. And that's with a win. So, and and getting to cut down nets and stuff like that. And a couple years from now, when everyone gets back together, that's what we'll remember. Yeah. By the way, I'm gonna we'll end this segment with this great quote from Sally in the chat mob. She said, It's so hard and some people keep saying that there are bigger things in life to worry about right now. Well, F you. There's always something bigger in life and these smaller things are very important. Hey. They are. You know what, Sally? I'll give that some applause. It's a great comment. That is a great comment. All right. Coming up in our third segment, we are going to answer your questions. We will have a mediocre question of the week. Then we'll talk about what needs to happen for Indiana to compete in the top half of the Big Ten next season and whatever else we have time for. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. All right. Good stuff. The thing about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. We probably don't even need the words, the Name Your Price tool, to tell you that our humpback whale pup gives you options based on your budget. Or that our novelty hand buzzer helps you save on car insurance. And that's the thing about the tiny felt bag filled with marbles. At this point, you've heard a lot of ads about the elusive northern bobcat. The Name Your Price tool. The neighbor who baked you banana bread. Only from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Well, there we go. We got a full segment out of that. Wasn't a total disaster, was it? Okay. It only would have been a disaster if Andy couldn't come back on. <laughs> that would have been bad. That would have definitely been bad. All right, uh, talk about something real quick. I got to do some math to see how much we have, time we have left for this next segment. Oh boy, math! So uh, I know. Yeah, well, we haven't done math on the show in a little while, but I'm trying to do something a little different today. Yeah. So, Coach, I uh, have you have you had the big uh, Yahtzee matchup yet tonight, or uh, or is that is that post show? Hey, my cat's joining the show now, but um, <laughs> now we haven't had the matchup yet. It was postponed. My my oldest son came home and he gets priority, so they were playing some okay. games dead so i got whooped last night i like the halftime report anxious. from brent that was uh that was well done we're, we're trying hard man to have some sanity um okay so we have this has to be kind of a short segment we got about not much three minutes and seven seconds we didn't leave much so we'll go we'll go very quickly in this segment um we'll just we'll hop right into the questions i won't belabor a bunch of stuff at the beginning um, but then we can answer the other questions at the end. We'll just, sure. We just got to get out of the radio segment quickly. Yeah, uh, how long did you say? Six minutes? No. Three. Oh, three. Three. <laughs> three minutes and seven seconds. Almost had it. <laughs> and we need to do the outro music. So we got like, you know, 
about 240, cool 240. So, all right. So, I assume you're going to hit Jay's question since you teased it in the other part. And then, yeah, we'll do that one first. Okay. Quickly. All right. Quickly. Okay. Let's, let's do, let's do this. All right. Here we go. This is Deron Davis. And what's the only thing better than dominating a dude big man in the post? It's celebrated with friends afterwards. Join Gerard, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Hall call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Deron. I am Gerard Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, <laughs> and the coach Brian Tonsoni on the Assembly Hall call. You know, I was going to edit that out, but I do that a lot myself. I'll say like Assembly call Hall call. Gerard? Well, <laughs> not that part, but the Assembly Hall call part. So, Duran, we've all done that. It's cool. We, by the way, I really appreciate uh, Devante and Duran doing that. Obviously, I paid them on Cameo, but I still appreciate them doing it and doing a good job. Okay, we get this is a quick segment. We'll obviously do the rest of it on the podcast, but for the radio folks, quick segment. Let's hop in real quick. Uh, let's do the mediocre question of the week. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. All right, so Jay says, let's assume Lander comes next season and there is one transfer out. You know, not speculating on who it might be, but just, you know, kind of playing the odds. How would you like to see the last scholarship used? What type of player would you want Archie to go after? We kind of covered this in the first segment, um, but just go around the horn. The one thing we didn't talk about is a young big. Does anybody think that that might be a good use of the scholarship, especially considering Trace, you know, is likely to be gone after next year and Joey will be gone? Andy? Yeah, I mean, that, that seems logical to me. You're, you know you're going to lose Joey. It's it's a, not a huge leap to assume that you lose Trace. Um, you would have Race coming back that can be pretty versatile up front, but unless there are su- substantial plans to really try to go small in a way that they haven't more recently, then, yeah, you'd think a, a young big guy that you could develop a little bit and wouldn't have to force into action right away would be a, a potential use of that. Coach? Yeah, you know, they were going for a big, and and we lost out with the kid from Wisconsin, so that would make sense. Uh, I always will agree with everyone, a shooter. uh, But, again, make sure um, if it's young, someone you could develop. If it's a a transfer, someone who could play right away. And, Ryan, we've got about 20 seconds left. What do you think? Yeah, you need – that's where the hole in the roster is. If the the makeup is the same, that's where the hole in the roster is. Is? And a big man, a young big man. I, I agree. Adding a big man? Yeah, Preferably one who can step out and shoot too. You know, it'd be of nice. Course, versatile. Yeah. At some point to be able to have a lineup full of guys who who can actually step out and shoot. All right. We will get to the rest of the questions on the podcast. You can find the assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit the rest of the questions there. For now, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you Friday night for the first of our IU Live rewatch series. Until then, take it from the green light himself. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Can your mom bring some tiramisu? All right. Was uh, Devante did a good job with those. They both yeah, did he a did. good. They both did a good. He job is a, he, it's funny when you listen to him 
rattle off like a complete like a couple complete sentences you start to hear the long island accent that you rarely hear when he was doing press conference he's got a great rhythm with his voice when he's when he's talking he really does i uh actually i had the opportunity to kind of message back and forth with him a little bit and one of the things he said was uh you know you guys you guys were always nice to me or you guys are always fair with me which i appreciated which well, frankly nice. like if i'm gonna have if a player's ever gonna say anything about our show that's what i would want them to say you know yeah which, i mean I, like, and i thought we were I, we certainly yeah, tried we hard critical. to be so we were critical but we tried not to be like i hate this guy you know i mean it was just you know yeah, because we did i mean not not because we were suppressing saying that because we legitimately no, didn't he of frustrated course of course not no you know you can be frustrated with the guy's play yeah so all right let's hop in let's answer the rest of these questions because we did get some good ones uh and Gerard, are you going to answer these in a French accent or are we going <laughs> to? He's Gerard. Uh, yes. Um, Thanks okay. for that laughter on. I appreciate it, my boy. That was that was amazing. That was great. I'm glad I you laughed, had a I laughed bit so of lead. hard the first time I listened to that. <laughs> I'm glad you had a little bit of a lead into the question so that I could collect myself enough to be able to. Yeah, answer. I saw you dying, like doubled over laughing. And then, uh, as soon as you started to recover from the Gerard, then it was the assembly hall call, which was the which was equally hall. good, which we've all done and like kind of corrected ourselves. So that part was funny. the The Gerard part was outstanding. The Gerard part was just. I'm trying to see if I have just that isolated. Uh, not anywhere handy. I'll get it for next time. All right, let's go to these questions. Jim Tom Hoosier, what do you think needs to happen for IU to compete in the top half of the Big Ten next year? This goes along a little bit with the conversation actually that uh, Alex and I had on podcast on the brink, which was about expectations for next year which we both agreed you know given how you know Archie's kind of done the minimum each year to keep the ball moving forward to me that you know the bar has to be raised again in year four so to me Indiana next year the expectations have to be make the tournament comfortably none of this like even being near the bubble type stuff right you know six seven seed minimum kind of thing where you just you know you're in it you're playing for a seed and top half of the big 10 like I think those are the minimums that should be expected and that's not knowing what Lander's going to do, like any of that. It's year four. These should be the standards. It, it just needs to happen, you know? And I think those are perfectly fair standards. Hopefully, you know, one of these years, hopefully, you know, we blow it out of the water and we exceed them. But that, to me, is the minimum expectation. So I appreciate this question from Jim Tom. What do you think needs to happen for IU to compete in the top half of the Big Ten next year, which is what they absolutely should do? So, I mean, look, we all know the shooting needs to get better, those kinds of things. Backcourt think, development in general. Yeah. I mean, it, I really think that's, you know, probably the, the most important thing because guard play was what kept us from being in the top half of the Big Ten this year. You know, so get Lander and the guys who are around, you know, need to need to be better. Yeah. The only thing I, I'd add is just some from a development perspective is getting to a point where Race and Trace feel more comfortable stepping out to not necessarily shoot threes, but some other way to space the floor in scenarios where you're going to play them alongside Joey, which you're going to do that a decent amount. I would imagine uh, if it's anything like this year. So I think from a skill development standpoint, that would be a, a big one just to, again, nobody's asking go be a 40% three point shooter or anything like that, but to be able to make them consistently enough to, uh, you know, to be able to keep defenses honest and, and pull people away from the basket. Yeah. I, I would add and agree with all of that. I would like to see more pace. Um, the transition game and, so would and trying to score some points that way. I went back, and I don't know the statistics of pace and all that from Ken Palm. 
Archie's teams at Dayton, but I went back and watched one of uh, their, their games, and it just seemed they had a different flow. Uh, that was with the, what the Scoochie Smith dude and, and uh, Davis at the guard, and, and they, they were playing with only six or seven players at that time and a real small post player, and they fed the post a little bit, but it just seemed to flow a little bit more. So uh, whatever offense needs to do, we can't have the droughts. Uh, we can't go – um, because that hurt our defense at times too with the with the mental approach when the ball didn't go in. I, I thought they got a better at that. But the offense has got to improve drastically uh, in order to compete and, and meet those goals, uh, Gerard, that you, you put out there. So to your point, Coach, if you look at the overall tempo of their games, the last three years it's been 206, 215, 251 for Indiana. The last couple of years at Dayton it was 163, 183. But those numbers don't really tell the whole story because what Archie wants to do defensively, what any pack line defense wants to do is make the opposition take a long time with possessions. So if you actually break it down by offensive pace and defensive pace, uh, his last season at Dayton, they were 72nd in pace on offense, 341st in defense. That means you know slowest, which is what they wanted. They were 97th in pace on offense, the second to last year, uh, and 309th in defense. And then if you look at what Indiana has been the last couple years um, in pace offensively, this year they were 192nd. Uh, last year they were 132, and the year before that they were 161. Most of those possessions spent with Archie wildly waving his arm around for the team to increase the pace. So I yeah. think, look, I think part of that, I think Christian Lander generally is going to play at a better pace when possessions are in his hand. Now, whether he's able to have that big of an impact as a freshman remains to be seen. A lot of that is going to fall on Rob Finnessy, who is kind of a more deliberate point guard. Like, that's just his style. So I think he and Archie, and if you remember, you know, the guys that Archie had at Dayton were a little bit more aggressive. And I think that's the one thing we talked about so much with Rob was, man, be aggressive. And when he would drive to the hole and really be that aggressive guy, it's like, holy crap, this is what it can look like. You know, and so and we've talked about this when he's a when he's attacking and he's feet forward, you know, like leaning yeah. forward with his drives. He's a great finisher at the rim. I mean, he can be. He really can be. I mean, he's his ability to spin the ball off the backboard and put it in the hoop. His ability to just kind of go up and around guys and find angles. You know, instinctively find angles. This isn't planned out. It's as he goes up and reacts to what they're doing. He has a gr- he does a great job of putting the ball in the hoop when he's actually attacking and getting into the paint um, and doing it aggressively, as opposed to sort of going into the paint, you know, softly and throwing something up. But when he's actually attacking in an attack mode, he's a much better basketball player than when he's in a, in a conservative mode. And we don't know and, what role health played in that this year of and course, some of those of things because yeah. he didn't develop like everybody thought. And so maybe what happens is if he can get healthy, another year of confidence, he's an upperclassman, maybe you do see a leap. And and maybe you don't. And maybe, you know, it just never quite materializes like we hoped. But I, I really think, I mean, you talk about the most important things for next year. I mean, I think if Indiana is going to be a top half of the Big Ten team, at a minimum, Rob Finnessy is an honorable mention all Big Ten point guard at a minimum. You know, he's got to get Durham into those to conversations. Yeah. And Al Durham has to be a leader. Yep. Lander comes, helps, helps Rob. It just helps him. Uh, and a lot of people say it's a competition between the two. No, it helps him. Because if you're the best defender and you're the lead point guard, that's asking you to be the best player on both sides of the ball. People can do that, but it's awful, awful difficult. Lander, go run the offense. Finnessy, shut down the, the Cassius Winstons of, of the league and then play off of that. Uh, I, yeah. I think that just makes him better. And it 
pushes him. The same with what Leo and Galloway and Geronimo might not come in and be great right away, but they'll push for 10 minutes here or there. And they'll be pushing in practice. So you just see now uh, um, that that's starting to take place. But I think Lander helps Rob uh, and helps the pace tremendously next year. What you want from the freshman next year is to have OG Ananobi slash Jawan Morgan freshman years. Exactly. Supplement the team, pick them up, you know, when, when energy's down or when, you know, there were times where Indiana would hit a lineup this year and just go into a tailspin offensively or where we need energy. We need somebody, but, and then use that to springboard into being a more contributing player the next year, you know, play 10 minutes a game, but play a good 10 minutes and then springboard into playing more. And, and you know, that's development. That's the way Franklin, you do it. Franklin wins some of those um, games. Those first eight games had to play a lot. He came in and contributed there. He wins the Notre Dame game with the big shot. He had yeah. some energy games later. He had some lulls. But now we got three or four. Uh, well, Lander will play a lot more. But the other three, yeah. you can, you know, okay, who's going to be hot now? Uh, and that's a good. That's a good point to have or a good place to be as a coach. If Lander comes in and he works out this offseason and, and gains – 10 to 15 pounds of, of muscle, which is totally doable in an off season where you're, you have a focused training regimen and you're not worrying about school and other things and you're ready to go. Hey, you can do it uh, with a towel in your kitchen. If you've seen Cliff Marshall's latest video, which, okay. which is useful, not for I, Christian I Lander, useful for average Joe's like us. He's got this workout video. Use I've a towel in your kitchen. Okay. I'm just, no, but if Lander comes in and he gains some weight just laid out on me there, man, uh, you know, I just like I just like giving you a look, uh, and you know exactly what I'm thinking when I do because we've done this for nine years now. Uh, but it, you, if Lander comes in and he gains some weight, the starting back, the starting group is going to be almost certainly going to be Lander, Rob, Al, and then probably Justin Smith fighting for that fourth fourth spot. And Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, that to me is what it feels like because they're not going to go double bigs again. That didn't work this year. And with the depth issues up front, you're going to have to put Joey in as a second unit center, I believe. And I, I mean, that's what I think. Unless Trace develops a jumper and can play the four, it'll be tough to keep they, Jerome and Race out of there. And, well, and not and not and and I'm not saying those are the, that's the team that's going to play the most. I'm saying I think they're going to start mm. together, and I think that you'll see. Lander and Finnessy will be on the court at the same time and they'll stagger who the other, you know, who the other wing guy is. But Al's going to be the captain as as a senior, almost certainly, because he was a captain this year. So he's going to start. Uh, Joey's probably the other captain and he won't mind coming off the bench, I don't think, if if he gets good run because they can't do the two big man thing again this year. It didn't work, you know, a lot. And you saw the, how much better the team was when it relied on Trace as the as the primary center there. Now they might now if Trace develops a jumper and can move out on the floor, maybe you can do it. But two guys whose primary offense is going to be coming from the post is not going to be. It's not going to work next year. It's just not, especially with the rest of the roster around them. So it's going to be Justin Smith, Jerome, and Race battling for that other spot. And I think if let's say in that scenario Justin Smith wins the job, Jerome and Race are going to play as much as the starters. I think. You know, I mean, you're just going to have a more balanced spread of minutes than you did this year. Every year, the the lineup conversations get better, though, and that's a sign of progress. Oh, yeah, because you know? you're interchanging guys that actually do stuff as opposed to who's going to fill in next. You know, I mean, yeah. like Joey coming off the bench <laughs> as your backup center is is not terrible when he's out starting and having to play 25 minutes. 
that's where you're kind of like, well, he's just physically not capable of doing certain things on the floor. You're fine with that guy yeah. coming out and, and assisting you and just being an, a, an all-out effort guy. Amazing how important it is to have guys who can do stuff. <laughs> you know? Hey, you know what? We've <laughs> gone through times where we didn't, you know? Yeah. Look, we had guys we loved who could maybe do a couple things, like a Freddie McSwain, you know, but yeah. not... But you know, not actually not a, have a well-rounded basketball right. game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Andy, this is from JD. According to Ken Palm, did IU progress this year in terms of overall defense, offense, etc.? Do we need to consider this data incomplete? It's probably likely IU would have played no more than two to three games more this year. So when you look at that Ken Palm data, if you go back and look at past seasons, do remember that is not regular season. The default is it takes into account all the postseason games. So. You know, Andy, I've I broke these numbers down here, and I can explain them. But you know, from your perspective, you know, do you see the the team as you know kind of progressing as some of the top line Ken Palm numbers indicate? Um, I, I mean, I guess to answer the the second part of that first, I, I wouldn't consider it incomplete. I mean, you were thirty plus games into the what thirty one games, I think thirty two into the season, so. Yeah. You know, you do see teams, as you said, when you default to it, these teams that go on these um, long NCAA tournament runs between who you're typically playing in those games and all that, you can move quite a bit in that scenario, but I'm not sure that IU's would have moved uh, a great deal. I, I think that, you know, you you laid out the numbers in our, our run sheet here. So I think, you know, overall they went from, you know, their 34th um, the, this season the offense got a little bit better, went from 82nd to 65th, and the defense got better, went 32nd to, to 26th. I think the biggest thing is um, the, the conference-only numbers are really ugly. Yes. Um, the And that's where yeah. it would give me – would probably be the difference in uh, – you know, I would probably say the progress is less than it looks like just taking the raw numbers. I mean – the the offense actually has gotten worse the last couple of years in terms of Big Ten ranks. So it went from 10th to 11th to 12th. Um, and then the, the defense got slightly better, it went, but it was fourth uh, in 2018, went to ninth, and then was up to eighth. Now, some of that well, is... The conference has gotten better, though, isn't it? conference that? has gotten better. That's what yes. I was going to say. I mean, it's it's relative a little bit. And those bit. are just raw efficiency rankings. Okay. Yeah. Those conferences. Not, not adjusted. But yeah, that, that, those are the ones that kind of give me pause when you, you look at it to say... Yeah, I think it's fair to say there was some progress, but I, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the level of progress. If if you said they improved 18 spots in Ken Palm as an example, 52nd to 34th, I definitely don't believe that the progress was that great. Um, probably half that, maybe even a little bit less, in, in my view. Yeah, yeah, I, I think just from a macro sense, looking at the season, like forgetting the efficiency numbers and everything, I know that's what the question was based on, but I think just if you were just giving the eye test to the season, the defense was better. I mean, the defense was certainly better this year. There were breakdowns. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't what you want or what when you hire Archie Miller, you're expecting a higher level of defense. But I think just from watching games, the defense had more of an idea what it was doing. And I think that when the team got exposed, it got exposed because guys we had on the roster just simply don't fit with what they're trying to do defensively. Um, you know, I mean, look, there were games where another team got a third of their points off of bad pick and roll defense, you know, or bad, bad hedging defense. I mean, literally that happened early in big 10, five times where just, they just didn't have the athletes to execute that. But we shouldn't just scapegoat the players no, on this. I'm not. I'm not. No, okay. I, I'm. I'm. I'm not blaming the players for that. I'm okay. blaming 
All right. The I coaches for putting them in that position. Okay. Um, and, and it's I'm, I, and and when I say somebody's not physically incapable of doing something, that's not their fault. You know that that that's not like Joey Brunk high hedging twenty five feet from the basket. The fact that he can't do that and recover to his man is not his fault. That's not his. He's he's not that kind of player. You know, Race Thompson can do that. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis a lot of the time, especially later in the year, could do that. But Deron Davis and Joey Bronk just are not made to do that. And that's not their fault. That's who they are as players. And, and physically, that's who they are. Um, it's like you having a 90-second talk clock, you know? Like, yeah, it's never going to happen. No. It just doesn't fit. It just doesn't. I'm sorry. That would be our fault for putting you in that position. Thank you. You hire. You have me on the show. And then don't, you know, here's you the surprising thing. Coach is done Coach, with this. Talk basketball. Yeah, here's the surprising <laughs> thing, because the eye test, you, you just don't feel good about the long droughts and the and the. Yes, especially offensively. Yeah, but but the statistics show an improvement, and and I think sometimes I get caught up in where I believe the team should be, and where each player on my favorite team should be, and maybe where they really are, and then compare where they really are to where they ended up, um, or or am I comparing them to where I thought they should be uh, as a person not in the program? Though the offense got better and the defense got better every year. And, and we lost some really good players last year. I will always come back to the fact that where Ryan, we, he said we don't have players to do certain things. Yeah, offensively, defensively, that ultimately comes back to the coaching staff for roster construction. But there also has to be, how are these numbers getting better if the players, uh, you know, so there has to be some credit to the kids who played and to the coaching staff as well yeah. for taking this group and maximizing what this group can do. And we as fans, we just lose that perspective real quick because of our desire. But all of us had IU lifted higher in the Big Ten than the national people did, and the national people turned out to be right. And I, and I hate to admit that, but we didn't have a closer. We didn't have a consistent scorer. We didn't have all of these things, and yet uh, a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. Um that didn't have a really great year last year, and we were the second team out of the tournament at 17 and 15, had a winning record in Archie's first year with none of his recruits. And so, yes, it's too slow, and it's not where Indiana basketball, and I know I'll get, you know, the people will tweet at me, well, you're you're sugarcoating the, the expectations for Indiana basketball. No, it needs to be great and needs to be sweet 16 every year. But when I take a step back, there has been progress there has been progress, maybe just not as fast as we want it to be, and I just need to be more r- real in my evaluation of who we're asking to do stuff. Um, just throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not this is it's not a black or white conversation. You know, there has been growth certainly. Just compare it to last year; that team lost twelve out of thirteen games. Like, I think that's the thing about yeah. this year is they just. I do think this year's team strung together more coherent possessions. You know, over true. over the course of the season. Now there were droughts and there were stretches, and it's you know there there just there's so many things that still need to get better, but they did string together more coherent possessions, and that's you know it's a low bar for expectation, but we did see that. So and and that's the thing to remember about last year too. You remember how injuries impacted that. You know that team's numbers and that team's record would have been a lot better without some of the devastating injuries that that team faced. And this team was really pretty healthy this year, outside of Rob and Devontae missing a lot of practice early in the season, which probably set them back. You know, we had pretty good health this year. So some of that's in there. But yeah, I mean, I to, to kind of answer the question, finally, you know, the overall numbers are better. 
But I think if you look a little bit deeper at the conference numbers, you got to give them the context that the conference is better, but there are concerns there. And so like these are some things now that need to get cleaned up. It should get cleaned up with better players, hopefully with guys being in the system longer and hopefully with better fits for you know guys to play this system. Hopefully, because there's going to be a lot of pressure on Archie coming into this year. And so, you know, it's got yeah. it's it's got to like we can't come out of next season saying, well, were we better than that? Like next year has got to be better. The best. You know, it's got to be clearly the best unequivocally like, hey, we're better and we're moving forward. Like it it just does. You can give a coach three years of like, OK, you got the minimum bar. You know, now it's time to jump forward. Well, I think the other thing, I mean, if if you one of the things that people would cite when you looked at reasons IU seed might not have even been higher and things like that. Their net ranking was really bad. And the reason for that in large part is a number of games where they're just straight up uncompetitive. And I think that's the other sign of progress. You can have some games where you blow people out early in the season that can help mask those a little bit, even though stuff's weighted by, you know, strength of opponent and different things like that. But there was just too many road games was really where this, this happened where they just didn't show up. And uh, I think that to me is the next sign of progress where can you, you're going to have, you're going to have some of those. um, But I'd rather have one as opposed to five uh, or however many it ended up being. I think that was the other part that I think muted some of the progress, even though toward the end of the season, it seemed like they put that part of it behind them. Yeah. Okay. uh, Let's run through the rest of these here. This is from JD, clearly directed at Ryan. What's up with this Wichita State situation? I've seen the amount of guys leave before, but usually only with a coaching change. So six players transferring out of Wichita State. And clearly, based on... Goodman said there might even be one more he's considering. Yeah. Certainly based on some tweeters, the only coach on this show who gets a more unfair shake than Mark Turgeon is Greg Marshall, Ryan. And a lot of that comes back to you. I mean, I've been honest about this for years. I, 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 here's, I'll go into this because people ask me why I won't just talk about it. Uh, I've been told things in confidence by beat reporters for Wichita State and college basketball beat reporters that honestly, it's a story they could break and get a big scoop on it. So I'm not going to go into details. I, and again, I don't know deep down details. I just know, oh, this happened. Oh, okay. You know, and I don't feel comfortable putting that out there. It's just safe to say that Greg Marshall, from a personality standpoint, is not a. Hmm, he has a very bad reputation behind the scenes. We'll put it that way. And and some of his personal issues make it so he is a very unattractive coach to bigger programs where he would be exposed to more media availability. Uh, have to do more barnstorming where he goes around and talks to fans and all that stuff. And I, I, I've heard from people on Twitter that, well, I met him for 20 minutes and he was a really nice guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy in certain situations. It just seems like behind the scenes, he cannot be. And and here, there's a reason why Greg Marshall, for about five years, you heard about him connected to every major job and he would interview for big time jobs. You don't hear that anymore. And there's a reason. And when stuff like that happens, there's a reason. And it's like when a, when a talented athlete, no one wants to sign him or, or uh, you know, get, bring him on as a free agent or recruit him or whatever. There's usually a reason. And these people know what they're doing and do background on people. Uh, it's like when a guy falls in the NFL or NBA draft, there's usually a reason. And, and so I would say the reason that Greg Marshall hasn't gotten a bigger job and hasn't even been a candidate for a lot of open big jobs 
there's a reason. And, and that's all I'll say about it. And I, I think that this year, here's the thing. You can deal with a coach like that as a player if you're winning because you feel like, well, it's all worth it. We're winning. We're doing well, whatever. When you're not winning at a high, high level, it gets harder to deal with. You know, I mean, you're willing to let a lot of things go when you're winning, not when you're when you're not performing up to high, high standards. So that's I think that's what's happening at Wichita State. I love how when coach recognizes that a monologue is about to happen from Ryan, he just kicks back in the, <laughs> the recliner. It took more than 90 chills. seconds to get that one out. I'm sorry. There was a lot. No, no, we, we teed you up for that one. That was, yeah. you know, that was that was on us. I just I just love how coach recognizes it. He's just going to sit back well, and, and just like ride it out some time. Just the way. Worth noting, I've interviewed Marshall before. He was fine to me. I, you know, this isn't like I had a personal incident with him. I, I've interviewed him in, out in Maui one year. He was perfectly nice. He seemed a little abrupt, a little short in the way he talked. But, you know, he wasn't an effusive. Like John Beeline, I couldn't get to shut up. And Mike, 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 uh, Mike, 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 like? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that interview took a long time then. You wonder why Beeline and I got along? I mean, it yeah. was. Mike Bray was the same Beeline way. Beeline almost just, missed a damn game. He was Ryan, him and Ryan were still talking and they just, time was, gets away was, from you sometimes. What are you going to do? Sunday. He didn't even tip off till Monday. But it lasts longer was, than a Hoosier hysterics podcast. There you go. <laughs> Mike Bray, Mike Bray was the same way. It was, he's just very like effusive and, you know, felt like a, you're talking to a politician, you know, who just is really good at, at getting one-on-one with people. Um, but yeah, Marshall wasn't that, but he was perfectly nice. Mark Few was a little abrupt too, but nice. You know, I don't have any, Issues with those guys just feels like a very slimy coach. That's it's other people. Um, I think you said that about Bruce Pearl, actually. Yeah, <laughs> duh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly could fit, even if he didn't. It it would still be appropriate. Okay, from Luke, if you could put two of IU's teams to play a game against each other, who would you like to see play versus each other? I would love to see the '76 team play the 2013 team. I imagine a lot of people would like to measure their favorite team against the 76 team because that was kind of one of my first thoughts is let's throw the 93 Hoosiers with a healthy Allen Henderson against the 76 team. And it's easy to say the 76 team would have won and hard to argue with that unless you use Ryan's logic about Indiana and Maryland. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it'd be fun to measure yourself against against the best. So that that was the that was the one that jumped out to me. Are there any that you have that aren't? that i the other thing that i would like to see is the 2013 team against the 1993 team because those are probably the, my two favorite teams of my like rooting lifetime you know because i kind of came around as an iu fan around 88 89 so i don't really count the 87 as one that i like lived through it's more like memories that i've watched rather than memories that i experienced so i would go 2013 93 and the 93 team would win but yeah. 76 and 81 i'd love to see buckner versus isaiah oh jeez. Oh, Benson I think that's the coach Albert. wins. Coach wins. I think Benson that's the obvious Tolbert. answer. Yeah, I would like to see seventy-five play against seventy-six, and then everyone can yes. put to bed which team was Ooh. better. Well, okay. with a healthy that Scott would, May, seventy-five what about, wins. What about the, well, that's what I would think better. as well. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah. Well, a lot of people say the nineteen sixty team was one of the best. And they they, they the their stretch, man. You want to get someone talking? Get Bill Murphy talking about the nineteen sixty team. Hey Ryan, he you got loves. any tape on that game? I do not. <laughs> okay. That team was but playing that, unbelievable at the end of the year, but they didn't even make the NCAA tournament. They didn't make the tournament. Because they lost, I think, a tiebreaker to Ohio State, even though they yep. beat them by like 25 points, I think, at Ohio State the last game of the season. Something here's like the that. Thing. Here's the thing. 
they all to a man will tell you we were better than Ohio State. And that Ohio State team had Jerry Lucas, John Havlicek, and Bobby Knight on it. Yeah. Like, but the 60 team had Walt Ohio Bellamy. Team. I know. I know. Yeah. And then they all played together in the Olympics that summer. Andy said 93 would beat 13 very easily. I wouldn't say easily because you got Victor Oladipo was at the height of his powers in 13, but 93 would have won. Definitely, definitely would have won. Here's what you know, I would like to see. I would like to see the, the, the 2013 Indiana team play that 2013 Michigan team every night. Okay. Those I'll games were, those games were Amazing. so much fun. Indiana won both of them close, but that they, they were so much fun. Those were two really good teams. Yeah. Here's a little uh, warning for all of us watching these games coming up. My goodness, the shooting. I went back and watched <laughs> some of those games. I think I was watching IU versus Michigan State, some random game. And my son and I were watching and we're like, hey, shots are going in. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it used to be, son. Indiana basketball, shots going in. Shots going in. I had, for- I had forgotten that the 2013 team lost to Butler in, in overtime. That was uh, the game Yogi like went out of his mind and took like 20 shots. Yeah, and they, they had started nine because I had always thought, like, what was their first loss? And I figured it was Wisconsin because I knew they lost to Wisconsin that year. Good bet. Reasonable, reasonable assumption. Yeah, yeah. but I, I couldn't remember who it was. And so I went back and looked and I was like, they lost to Butler that year because it wasn't like a great. It was a decent Butler team, but it wasn't a great Butler team. Yeah, Yogi led the team. He took 13 uh, field goal attempts. I remember the postgame show after that game. That was the storyline. Like Yogi cannot be leading this team yeah. in field goal attempts with with all the other options. Zeller took 14 free throws that game. We took you 38 know, free throws as a team that game. Holy and smokes. lost and lost. Jeez. Uh, so not, their not losses that. were their losses were Butler. They lost to Wisconsin at home. That ridiculous Illinois game. Out, yeah, at, at Illinois. Illinois. Was that the one where Cody forgot yes. where he was on the yes. Okay. On I wasn't sure if that was play. that year or the year before. Yes. And then they lost at the barn. I remember that. Um, and then they lost to Ohio State. The net the net cutting game, which Cody Zeller gave a little I think like a shrug emoji or not not even a shrug emoji, kind of the little like questioning. Yeah. And then the, they, they beat Michigan funny. at at Michigan to win the title, and then they lost to Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament again, I think. Yep. And then we don't Here's need to talk about I anything noticed. else that happened after that. On film, and I just can't help. I watch as a fan, but I'm watching as a coach. The spacing, and, and, and the commentators are like Indiana's going to try to get it down low, and there's like nine guys around the block <laughs> yeah. in, in these games in the '70s and '80s, and they're kicking it out for wide open 16 foot jumpers. <laughs> yeah, uh, they had the lane so packed in. I don't know how anyone scored at the rim. I, I, I'm just looking forward to going back and watching a lot of these. Before the three-point line, and then even with the three-point line. What year did they put the three-point line in? 87. 87? 87. Steve Alford. And Alford shot like 55% from the three-point line on 200 attempts. The the floor wasn't spaced. There was no dribbling. It was just nine guys moving up. No, I knew they had it. I knew they had it in the 87 championship season, but I wasn't sure if they put it in in 86 or 87. Like, you know, for the 85, 86 or 86, 87. Dude, Ryan, here's something. When I played high school ball, we loved the jump ball. Because uh-huh. I had this guy who went to – he was an Indiana All-Star, went to Western Michigan, and whenever he'd get jump balls, I'd just plant on the left side of the lane, and a defender would be right in the middle, and I'd just catch the jump ball, drop step, and score. That's all – easy. we had a jump ball play. Now, all you youngsters are talking three-pointers, and, you know, <laughs> Coach Wood from West Lafayette tells me how good a shooter Jared was. He went from backup center. I haven't even told you guys this. He went up from backup center as a freshman to the – best shooter on a sectional championship team 
You won sexual champs your senior year, Jared? We did. We did. Nice. However, I, I was not the best shooter my senior year. I actually I hit a slump the end of my senior year, and the guy that was a class below me, who was another great shooter, we used to kind of you know battle it out and practice. He got really hot, and he ended up playing a lot more than me at the end of that season, which you know ended up working out better because he was a better player. I just went through just a confidence struggle like the last month. Couldn't make as many shots as I was before, so I didn't play. I didn't Jordan play quite Holes. as much. So I can't let you say I was the best shooter on a sectional championship team. But the year before, I actually right. did set the school record for three point percentage. So what was it? Forty six percent. Not bad. Not bad. So I could shoot it a little bit. Shoot it a little bit. Um, all right, let's roll through the rest of these. We answered Sally's question about Dolson earlier. Uh, the quotes that he made about Archie and the plan: um, not too high, not too low. You know, yeah, it seems like he and Archie will have a good working relationship together. You know, I mean, that's and in with so much uncertainty, that's probably another benefit of hiring Dolson is. Yeah, it's not like they have to get to know each other. Yeah, there's not there's not upheaval there. Um, Chris wants to know, has Archie earned no tie in plaid sport coats? No, no, I'm going to go with no on that. I don't think anyone's ever going to earn that. That's that that look is done. Yeah, but everything comes back around. You know, that's so true. Maybe at eventually. some at some point that'll be back. But boy, if he does earn it, we'll have a story then. Okay, and last I, question. I'm off. I'm off. I'm off his train. If he comes out in short sleeves and a tie, <laughs> short sleeves. Just I, I'm just making it. Right oh now. well, yeah, I guess sle- short sleeves and a tie. I'm done with Archie Miller. <laughs> if he turns into Dwight Schrute and comes out, and then he, <laughs> then then you're out. Yep, done. Mustard yellow shirt. And- yeah, no. Uh, hey, no. I don't care how good he coaches. Oh man. Okay, and last question. Uh, this one is definitely going to Andy because there is only one answer to this question. We'll see if he remembers from Max. And I don't I don't know what Max was doing. I guess he was just like looking through old schedules. He goes, How did the Noah Vonley Hoosiers beat number three sixteen and oh Wisconsin after twelve straight losses to the Batchers? Did that even really happen? Andy, do you recall the reason why that happened? Because it is it is I mean, someone's game. It is the blank game. Uh, I, well, I'm looking it up now, so I can't, uh, I don't want to, uh, does anybody remember this? Am I the only one who remembers Johnson game? Isn't it? No, no. God, you were just guessing. Yeah. Cause he was Andy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it looks, it appears to be Yogi from, uh, although he was, although interestingly enough, Yogi had the most points in that game. If I'm, unless I'm yeah, I mean, but game. Yogi did score the points, but do you remember who had like the key plays that like made the oh, run yeah. for Indiana? Oh, there he is, Stan Robinson. <laughs> I don't right. remember Stan Robinson. I don't remember, Robinson. I don't remember whether he was six of ten. He I was six was of ten on twos. Yeah, and he's like he using either hand. On twos. Yeah, and I don't know what he was, what hand he was shooting with in that particular season or game, but uh, yeah, he, he had 13. Yogi had 25, although he was one of eight from three, but had 25 points. Four assists, no turnovers. Evan Gordon with six assists that game. Yeah. Vonley only had 10. Vonley only had 10 and five, so he wasn't even – did have four blocks. We uh, played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, Twelve guys played that game. Although Je- some of these are like – I mean, Johnny Marlin, two minutes. Jeff Howard, two minutes. Yeah, but how are they David playing three. two minutes in a three-point game that went down to the wire? Like, when was when did Crean put them in the game? Nobody had more than two fouls for IU, so uh, it does I mean, you defy... had to chart You had to chart these substitutions. <laughs> I may. I don't know if I still have the spreadsheet that, that speaks to this. I think there this are, was there the are some I weird box scores the year that, the I, that I did. This was the year that I started doing that, I think. Man, Wisconsin shot four free throws. <laughs> 
the game. Yeah, what a only bizarre, made, only what a made bizarre one box solid, score. solid free throw defense in that game. But yes, the Stan Robinson game. Stan didn't have a lot of moments. Yeah, and he 13. clearly, he definitely only had two partial defenders by the time he departed. But we were somewhat redeemed by him becoming a solid role player at Rhode Island. The things that he played we saw, awesome that one game in the front of the tournament too. I, I feel like so. I know. Yeah, I do. I I we I remember sharing that that feeling of vindication. With yes, there was there was definitely some vindication. All right, this is definitely the longest episode of Assembly Call Radio ever. Yeah, but yeah, your, mom, your wife's gonna be upset. She, she, yeah, she's she's in bed. There's no way she waited up this long. <laughs> Not a chance. Um. All right. So tomorrow, we're starting the rewatch at eight o'clock Eastern time. So I'll announce it on Twitter. The link, if you go to assemblycall.com slash rewatch, all the links to the YouTube uh, videos are there. I'll obviously tweet it out. We're basically going to hit play at the same time, watch the game, tweet about it, and then afterwards, we're going to hop on and do a post-game show. It's me, Galen. Uh, and me, I think. Are you on it? Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, by the way, we're going to... So Chris from IU Artifacts is writing previews for each game, like going back as if it was like the day of the game. So kind of to set the stage, set the context. So those will be interesting. So we'll get that posted either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, So if you don't remember what was happening in 1998 before the Oklahoma game, like Galen and Chris can just recall that, you know, off the top of their heads, Uh, you can read this article and kind of get the context for the game. So it's going to be fun. We hope you'll join us. This episode was fun. We're glad you joined us for this. Uh, Any, any final thoughts guys? No, looking forward Stay to tomorrow. Safe, I watched, uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of the game today, and it's funny that it was still when they would take you completely away from the game that you were watching and do a look in on another game and just have the score up there. It wasn't like a, the box in the corner where yeah. you could still watch your like completely away. Now, two, I think it was Sean McDonough's credit when he comes back, he does give like a breakdown of everything that happened like while you were away. <laughs> but it was odd. You take for granted the like, oh, you can just flip to the other channel now and. Stuff like that. So it was the the pre true TV days. Yes, exactly. Hey, okay. Let me ask you guys a question real quick, and I I kind of know the answer, but I just want to see if I'm on the same page. So I want to support. Obviously, I'm, I want to keep supporting small businesses. The lady who cuts my hair, you know, like she went independent. I don't know, like six months ago, she does a really good job. I should not get a haircut, right? That's a bad idea. Probably. Yeah. Yes. I feel like most of those places have closed here. Closed. Yeah. I mean, she's still she's still doing it. I mean, you as can a, still yeah, as an independent later. person, yeah, I'm sure you could do yeah. it. But yeah, I think most places have closed. I'd probably I'd probably ride it out for a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've stopped getting my hair cut, Jared. That we, well, yeah, let the <laughs> let the salad <laughs> let the salad grow before you pluck it, Jared. Let the yeah, no, I, that's that's my that's my gut feeling too. Like I wanted to do it, so I'll probably just like pay her for the haircut and just not get it. So give her some cash flow. All right, there I just go. wanted to throw that out there. You're right. All right. Cool. All right. right. We'll uh, talk to everybody tomorrow. Yes, we will. See everybody. Thanks for being here. Later. See you guys. We saved big money with our progressive home and auto bundle and used the cash to take a family vacation. To Hawaii. Who's up for a luau? This is not a real testimonial. Sure, customers can save big money with Progressive, but not enough to go to Hawaii. They'll probably use it for things like the mortgage and groceries, or even a travel magazine, so at least they can see pictures of Hawaii. Aloha! (laughs) Yes, say hello to those beautiful Hawaiian beaches in that magazine. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.